0: Welcome to a Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on a Transforming Word,
1: the offering was part of the worship that the people would bring to the Lord. But because of how Eli's sons were behaving, it says that people abhorred the offering, like they didn't want to do it. Imagine how defeated it would feel that I brought this for God, and God has prescribed in His Word how was to be offered in. The priests won't even let me offer it the way God said so. They're taking it before the fats burn. They're taking it out of the cauldron before it even gets up to God and they're taking it for themselves. And so people abhor the offering of the Lord.
0: Giving is an act of worship, but even it can be affected by various distractions. In today's teaching, Pastor Bill will highlight the story of Eli's sons in 1 Samuel 2, Their sinful acts became a hindrance to those wanting to worship the Lord. In the same way, we need to be careful that our actions do not hinder others' walks with the Lord. As Christ followers, we have a higher calling to represent the King. Does your life reflect one that is devoted to God? The world is watching us. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel Chapter 2. As he continues his message, a tale of two households.
1: If as a parent and you, you pray for your kid, you seek the Lord on their behalf, if God shows you what your child is to be, if God shows you um, thing that he has put in them or whatever, I think it's important as parents that we speak that to them, um, that we share with them, hey, as I pray for you, this is something God spoke to me about you. And I want to just put that in their hearts. I want to tell them what it is. Um, Sometimes we don't know what they're specifically called to be. I'm going to tell you what God has called you to do in general. God's called you to be this, at least this we know, you know. Um, But parents, it's our job to speak God's word to our kids, uh, to encourage them, challenge them even about God's call upon their life, how their lives are purposeful and meaningful in the Lord. They need to hear that from you. In particular, if there's something you know specifically, you got to tell that to them. You know, we got to speak that them, Let them hear it from mom and dad. Let them hear it until God confirms it in their own hearts. So I believe Samuel was hearing that from a young age, and we're going to see that his life goes on to be one of of great usefulness in the hand of God. So I thought this is interesting as well. Look, as God the father gave up his son, Jesus, to a greater and a divine purpose, so too Hannah and Elkanah gave up their promised son, for God's divine purpose. God needed a man of God in the temple, and he had to get a little bitty guy to raise up a man of God in the tabernacle of this time. And so it's similar to what Abraham was called to do, to take his only son and offer him back to the Lord. Oftentimes, God will take that which is dear to us and say, give it back to me. Well, watch what I do with it. Give it back to me and watch what I do. And they gave this kid to God, and we know the rest of the book, many of us, we know that God used him. This guy was a leader to kings. Over generations, I mean, God used his life in a significant way. And so now let's look at verse 12 as we compare and contrast this jacked up household of Eli. Everything I'm about to read you about Eli is what you don't want to do, what you don't want to be. And I'll highlight it as we go. All right. Verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. First thing the Holy Spirit says about them. His sons are corrupt and they did not know the Lord. So imagine this. These guys work in the they're they're doing priest work as people bring their sacrifices, everything else. These guys are there ministering in the house of the Lord. And it says they don't know the Lord and they're corrupt. Can you imagine that? Uh, And I think some of you can, because I've seen that happen today in the church where there are people that are leading churches and they don't even know the Lord and they're corrupt. And they do heinous, unthinkable, ungodly things. And it gets exposed and it makes the church look bad. when it really should just make them look bad. But needless to say, these guys are there serving. They don't know the Lord and they are corrupt. Verse 13, and the the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. So let me explain what's happening here. The priests were in charge of the offering. So when people would want to worship the Lord and bring their offering to God, they brought it to the priest. And the priest would take the offering. God had been very fair with the priests. The priests were always going to be taken care of. There was a portion that God had allotted for the priests—a portion of the boiled meat they were to take so that they could they could eat. That they would be able to, the priests were living off of that. But what Eli's sons were doing when people would come and they would bring the portion for the Lord before it was even finished boiling, they would throw a, a hook in and pull out whatever they wanted. So it would be equivalent to this. Imagine that you came to church and we took up offering. And as the offering was going out, imagine that the, the pastor's kids were running in and grabbing out as much as they wanted and taking it. And there's nothing you could do about it. What would you guys, I mean, y'all wouldn't give, right? Y'all would be like, I'm not giving to your little raggedy kids. He's going to take it and, you know, go do whatever. That's essentially what his kids were doing. And so it's going to say that people would abhor the offering. It caused people to just say, ah, I don't want to do this. You know, people that wanted to worship, they wanted to give to the Lord. They were being stumbled by what was going on. Now, whose fault is it, right? His sons are corrupt. They're evil. What they're doing is wrong. But who's in charge? Who's responsible for this? Eli is, right? If those are your kids, what do you need to do? You know, whoop their butt. Beat them down. Do something. Some, some. You, you can't just let that go on. There's a responsibility that parents have. You got to bring the discipline. You can't let your kids behave like that, especially not in God's house. This is not your house. This is God's stuff. And um, so anyway, I, I, I could go on. But verse 14, it says, it's more. Then they would thrust it into a pan, the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. And the priest would take for himself all the, the flesh was brought up. So they did in Shiloh and all the Israelites who came there. Verse 15. Also, before they burned the fat, which you weren't supposed to take it before you burned the fat. The fat was supposed to burn and be a sweet smelling savor and aroma to God. But they would take the meat before the fat was burned, because they wanted meat. They didn't, they weren't content with the boiled meat God was providing. They're basically saying, no, we want we're gonna barbecue for ourselves. We're gonna do it our way. We're not we're not content with what God has provided for us. We're gonna take what we want and have it our way. Verse 15. So before the fat they burned the fat, the priest servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed, give meat for roasting to the priest, for we will take it not boiled, we will take not boiled meat from you, but raw and if the man said to him they should really burn the fat first then you may take as much as your heart desires he would then answer him no but you must must give it to us now and if not we will take it by force y'all reading this i mean imagine going to worship and these young men are behaving this way give it to us like we said if somebody dared speak up and said hey, hey bro Look, the Bible says that the fat is to be burned. Let's, let us burn to the, the fat to the Lord. You take as much as you want. No, we'll take everything we want now. And and basically, if you won't give it to us, we'll take it by force. They're jacking people in the house of the Lord. That's what they were doing. By, we're going to take it by force. I want to make bad sound bad, because when you see what God does to them, I want y'all to understand that they had it coming, right? That God, God let this go on for so long, but you don't want to be messing with God's people. You don't want to be messing with God's stuff. A day will come where God says, that's that's about enough right there. So I I tell you guys, when we see these things happen in churches and we see men take advantage of God's people in these things, know this about those men. Those men got to stand before God one day. All those men that have ripped people off, that have told women to send in, it's it's December 9th. You got to send a $90 blessing for the next nine days and all these little gimmicks that they do on Tristan TV. Those men, Peter Popoff selling water and, and all kind of stuff like that. You know, those men, those people got to stand before God one day. You Imagine you imagine that, that you're going to stand before God and, and, and he heard those sermons. He saw you taking advantage of his people. He saw you fleecing his flock so you could have some more stuff and mansions and boats and yachts and fancy cars. And they got to stand before him one day. That's, that's not going to be a fun day. That's not going to be a that's not going to be a blessing for those guys. They will give an account for this. not matter how they live the rest of this life, they will give an account for that eventually. And so these guys, we're going to see how God deals with it. In verse 17, he says, therefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. So these guys, what they did was the impact that it had on the people was. The offering was part of the worship that the people would bring to the Lord. But because of how Eli's sons were behaving, it says that people abhorred the offering. Like they didn't want to do it. Imagine how defeated it would feel that I brought this for God and God has prescribed in his word how it's was to be offered. And the priest won't even let me offer it the way God said so. They're taking it before the fats burn. They're taking it out of the cauldron before it even gets up to God and they're taking it for themselves. And so people abhorred The offering of the Lord. What can we take from this? Um, I think because none of us are priests or what everyone here wants to be careful that we don't do anything that would cause someone to stumble in their walk with the Lord. That we're not the stumbling block. Right. There isn't something that if you're the Christian in your family, if you're the Christian at your job, if you're the Christian among your that you're not behaving or living in such a way that you would stumble people from worshiping the Lord or looking to the Lord. Um, because these guys are living in such a way, in such a corrupt and sinful way that they're actually going to be a hindrance. They're, they're they're causing people to stumble where they abhorred something that they should have done with joy, which is come and give to the Lord and offer to the Lord and and, and commune with the Lord in that way. They stood in the way. So that's Eli's son. And, and everything, I mean, this, every, there's nothing good to say about them. You know, they're going to they're going to pay ultimately for it. Their behavior and their sin and all that they're doing. But, but now let's switch back gears because, you know, that's kind of depressing. Let's go back to little Samuel and let's look at what Samuel was doing in verse. Look at verse 18. It says, but Samuel, and I want you to note the word, but that's a transition. That means in contrast to what we just read about these naughty little heathens of Eli, now we're contrasting into something positive. But Samuel, it says, ministered before the Lord even as a child wearing a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And this is just what a mom would do, right? She, she, made, she, left, she left him there and, and the priest wore ephod. So she made Samuel a little bitty kid-sized ephod. And every year when she would come up, you know, she would make one a little bigger because, you know, kids are growing real fast. So she'd make him another one. It just sounds like what a mom would do, you know, you know, just try to make it the right size, try to guess how much he's grown. And every year, I mean, I'm sure it was a labor of love that she would she would make him his own little ephod and bring him up his little robe um, so he could have one. And so she brought that up every year when she came. But I want you to know that he's there ministering before the Lord, even as a child. So we don't know what, what roles they gave him. I'm sure it was in some age appropriate role. But even as a little guy, he's he's in this, a tabernacle. He's there serving the Lord, ministering to the Lord already. And I just think it's so important as parents that we, we train our kids up, that we we let them, I want I want my kids to serve the Lord as soon as they can. You know, I'm going to give them something to do. Something we made a commitment when my kids were little. Uh, since they're little, they got a lot of time I'm gonna give everybody an instrument. You know, um, I love to worship. We walk around our house singing and worshiping, and so every kid, I said, pick an instrument. We walk through Guitar Center, and I'd say, okay, you pick. And I remember when it was Harmony. I think she was in kindergarten, and she she went all through Guitar Center, and she says, I want the piano. So all right, we're gonna get the piano, we'll get lessons, and that's gonna be your thing. And and here's the thing, I said, but you're gonna you're gonna take lessons. So you so you know this thing. You're gonna get all that right with BJ. You know. Because his sister had piano, he was like, I want the guitar, you know, and so we got him a guitar and they got lessons. And it was something in my heart. It said this. You might go do something done with this ability, but you have something you can offer back to the Lord one day um, if you so choose. And so you have the option. You have the option to serve the Lord, to worship the Lord in this way. And so I think all parents give your kids something. It may be that it may be the, something you're good at. You may have a niche for something, that you can train them up and get them going, but just put something in their hand where it's like, I have have an expectation you're going to serve God, so I'm going to give you some options. I'm going to give you some things that will help you, enable you, equip you to serve the Lord. This little guy is serving the Lord and uh, as a little guy. It had to be a shame for Eli's sons to see him, and I wonder what it was like for him seeing the naughty things that these guys were doing, but obviously he, he doesn't take after them at all, and so Verse 20 now, it says, and Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, the Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. Then they would go to their own house. If you guys remember that it said of Hannah that she lent him to the Lord. And so Elkanah would bless them. Eli would bless them, pronounce blessing over them and their household uh, for the loan. And so you can see that Elkanah, I'm sorry, that Eli was also grateful for little Samuel, that he was grateful and he would just bless them for it. Verse 21, and the Lord visited Hannah, and so she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. And so she had just not this, just one child, but God gave her five others, three sons and two daughters she gave to them. And it said, then Samuel grew before the Lord. And then verse 22, this is gonna be um, you know, God's word spoken against Eli in his household. And um, I got to kind of cheat ahead, right? God's going to speak some things here about Eli. Samuel's going to get his first prophetic word. And it's a heavy, heavy word. I say that because we live in a time today where everybody wants to claim to be a prophet. Everyone wants to be a prophet and wants to be called prophet this And if you just read your Bible, you'll realize it's not always a fun gig, you know. It's not always fun to be God's spokesman. Everybody doesn't want to hear what you got to say. All the news that God speaks to these guys is not always good news. A lot of times it's warning or a proclamation of punishment, you know. But look at verse 22 now. It says, now Eli was very old, and he had heard everything his sons did to all Israel. Notice this, how they lay with women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So these guys were not just ripping folks off. These guys are are also involved in sexual sin in the house of the Lord. These guys are laying with women at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Verse 23 says, so he said to them, now here's Eli's opportunity. It's not that he's ignorant of what they're doing. He's fully aware and look at what he says. So he said to them, why do you do such things? That's why y'all doing that? You know, this, why do you do that? Why are you guys sleeping with the girls at the temple, man? Well, I heard y'all was doing that. Why y'all doing that? Hey, I'm going to tell you that that's not enough. God, God is going to say that's not enough. But he, he asked him, why are you? Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. Know my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear for you. You make the Lord's people transgress. If a man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. Now, here's what's right and what's wrong. Eli understood what his sons had done and he talked to them about it. That was good, but he needed to do something about it. And I want parents to understand this. It's not enough to talk to your kids. Some things you gotta stop. There's some behaviors that you have to you have to do something about that. You can't say, "Hey, hey, that, that marijuana? I, are you smoking? That's bad. Don't do that. That's not enough." You know, I, I've talked to I did youth ministry, and I would have kids that were find out they're battling with weed, and I talked to their parents. I said, "Look, right now, everything he has comes from you. Every dollar he has comes from you. You are funding his marijuana habit. So just stop giving him money." And it's over. We cannot, he can he cannot afford his habit without you funding it. So you can stop him from his habit today. Um, if you so. and you you'd be amazed at the parents and what why you know he we said he was gonna buy lunch. No, send him a packed lunch. He's smoking dope. He's gonna be on crack before you know it. Do something about this. It's not enough to talk them. To you can't talk him out of that. You gotta do something. And if it's a little kid, you got to discipline them, parents. Not enough to talk. You got to do something. And I would bring this on over to uh, church behavior. Right. This is not my church. Right. This is God's church. And God has a standard for behavior in his church, for leaders and servants and so forth. And that is to be upheld. It doesn't matter if it's my kids, if it's people that I'm friends with. If there's a for myself included, there's a standard that God has For those who would serve him in this way, and it must be upheld. It's not excusable that there would be people in places of leadership that are living in carnal ways or living in ways that are inappropriate or stumbling people at the house. God would say to those in charge, you better do something about that. And it won't be fun to do. You know, I've I've done this for a while. There have been times where I got to tell people that I love and I care about. You can't no longer do in the ministry what you were doing because you're doing that, too. Can't do both. You have to sit down, love you, but you can't do it. That's important. It's important that we be able to uphold a standard because to me, the, the temple, the tabernacle was that was that's God's house. So it's his house. He made the rules. He said, priest, you're to serve me like this. This is what I'm providing for you. This is how the people can offer sacrifice. You're to uphold that so that they can worship me in the way I prescribe. You're there to, to run it so that I get. From the people, what I desire, and they can receive from me what I want to do. But if you mess that up somehow, God says, "Now I got to deal with you." And it says here that God desired to kill them. You know who you don't want to be an enemy with? The Lord. I mean, I'll take anybody as an enemy, but except the Lord. I, if everybody in the world hated me, but God was for me, I'll take that. Um, but you don't want the Lord saying, I, "I'm going to kill you," because if God desires to kill you, guess what? You cooked. There's no getting out of this. And so um, it says that the Lord desired to kill them in verse 25, verse 26. Contrast again. And the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor, both with the Lord and men. And I want you to know how probably how easy it was for people to love Samuel in contrast to these rotten kids of Eli. I'm sure as he grew in stature and people saw him there serving and they could see a different spirit and a different heart and a different attitude and a different behavior. I'm sure it was a blessing to go and see little Samuel instead of the sons of Eli that are sleeping with women and taking stuff that is not supposed to be taken for them. And so Samuel's continuing to grow in stature and in favor with both the Lord and with men. Verse 27 Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, thus says the Lord. So a man of God, this would have been a prophet. someone just going to speak on God's behalf to Eli. He says, thus says the Lord, this man says to Eli, did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? It's a rhetorical question. Of course you did. Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priests, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense and to wear the ephod before me and did i not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of israel made by fire why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering which i have commanded in my dwelling place and honor your sons more than me to make yourself fat with the best of all the offerings of israel my people and this is God confronting him through a man of God, a prophet. One way you know a prophetic word is it'll ring true, every word of it. This for Eli, this, this word, these words are ringing true. He said, did I not, God's speaking to you, Eli. says the Lord. Did I not call you guys? Did I not call your family to, to be in this place? He said, look, why do you honor your sons more than me? That's what it came down to. God said, you're honoring them more than me. The reason you're not disciplining them, the reason you haven't stopped them, the reason you haven't put an end to this is you honor them more than me. That's the problem. And I would say that to Christian parents. Sometimes parents put their kids above the Lord. You want, your friend, you want a friendship with your kids so bad you won't discipline them. You won't correct them. You won't stop them. When I see the parents of a small child and a small child is out of control, I think it's completely the parent's fault. Everything they have comes from you. When I look at a kid tantrum. It used to be a cultural thing, and we just live in a different time now. But when I was growing up, um, we—you couldn't tantrum, um, you couldn't have a fit. My mom, like the way we were raised, and most of the kids I grew up with, you know, my mom would tell you no. She would say, "We're going to the store. Don't ask for anything." You know, blah 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 blah. You know, and if you you know you ask for something and she said no, and you were like, "You got a pouty lip." Um, that's a that's a whoop. You getting disciplined for that? You better poke your lip in your mouth. You got food, you got clothes, like there was no room for that. There was no such thing as a tantrum. When I first seen kids like yell back at their parents or say no, I was like, whoa, whoa, like, whoa, this, what is this? Like, who gets to do that? You know, um, I mean, I, I've seen a kid tell his mom to shut up and I was I couldn't believe it. I'm like, man, I, I would, you know, and we're sinners. We're not even Christians. I'm in a Christian household. You just knew you didn't do that. And I felt like that was responsible. Parents were saying, no, you you can be told no. You'll be all right. You know, you live.
0: You've been listening to A Transforming Word. As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Samuel, this book covers some interesting history in the Jewish nation of Israel. The book starts with a prophet declaring the first king of Israel. And the book ends with the death of this same king. Why did Israel desire to have a king so badly? Was it a case of everyone else has one, so we should too? It seemed to have been a situation where the people wanted a person to rule and reign over them rather than just trusting God to do the kingly duties. As we all know, humans have a tendency to fail and falter. And the first king of Israel was no stranger to this. King Saul started off well, But he didn't end well. Power, prestige, disobedience, and insecurity were all part of his downfall. May these messages in the book of 1 Samuel be a good reminder and a lesson that no matter what man attempts to do, without God, things will surely crumble. If you'd like to hear this message again or listen to more messages from 1 Samuel, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered, or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call or text 310-245-4811. Once more, that number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel, here on A Transforming Word.